This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode does not contain spoilers, but does contain mentions of the following with no spoiler context. The Akatar and Throne of Glass series, Shadowhunters, Euphoria, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, and The War of Two Queens. For full list, please see show notes. And welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing the 1991 cult classic. <laughs> this is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, y'all. The movie. Original Buffy. Yes, the original Buffy. Uh, we have a lot to say about um, Joss and everything, and we will discuss that at the end end of this episode uh so let's just like jump into this movie jess you had never seen this no i hadn't no- shocking <laughs> i've never seen this movie but i had seen snippets of it and the and the baseline was i had heard that it wasn't a good movie that christy swanson was in it and i knew christy swanson because she is she was you know pre-covid she was prevalent on the con circuit she might not have been at every single one but like you knew her name and luke perry was in it and i I love luke perry i've always loved luke perry um he was such a wonderful person so i was just like like i i didn't need to know more but like everything there's so much media out there and how do you pick and have time to consume it all and we made time so it was really fun to watch it and i don't understand the first thing i thought was after i watched it i go why was this considered such a bad movie it seems so great with the times that aligned with everything else that was out there um it was fun it was fun (laughs) uh jess which member of the cast were you surprised about the most peewee herman (laughs) How is Pee Wee Herman in this movie? I had no idea. Even because even with the makeup, you don't really know it's him. And then when you said to me, like, did you look up the cast? And go, yeah, I looked at, you know, I scrolled through it. Like Ben Affleck has a no name appearance in this. Seth Green isn't for the sec- like three seconds. His majority of his parts were cut. Uh, Hillary Swank, David Arquette. Like, I mean, there were some notable names in there. And poor Christy is just like con circuiting it up. <laughs> But freaking Pee Wee Herman, he was great. He was Pee-wee so funny. Herman. He was like the part that I would always laugh at the most. He is so amazing in this role. Also, uh, Stephen Root, um, fantastic in this role as well. As the, oh, and Donald like, Sutherland was in it too. Yes, and Donald Sutherland. Uh, I watched this movie when I was very young, obviously. Uh, this is very formative for me. It's very impactful for me. I have a lot to say about it. Obviously, I love this movie. Up front, I love this movie. I have no problems with this movie. It is fun. It is just, as you said, exactly like aligns with the times as far as I'm concerned. It is it is camp. It is a thousand percent camp. I feel like that is really clear uh, from the be- very beginning. I, I, I feel like um, from the whole um, birthmark peasant kind of situation, like opening that we have, I feel like, okay, this is... 
This is where we're at. And then you have a, a very long and extended opening sequence cheer scene. As a former cheerleader, I was kind of frustrated that a lot of times they were offbeat. Yeah, well, I mean, it is not good. It is the (laughs) same, you know, kind of, it's the same counts over, they're just repeating. But the counts aren't aligning with the tempo of the the, the song choice, too, so that was, like, really throwing me off. It is is not great. It is not great. But it it does help, you know, set the scene, set the vibe, set everything uh, for the rest of the movie. Because what do we have? We have very shiny, bright purple full body tights um, underneath yellow cheerleading outfits. I mean, a cropped crew neck with a t-shirt under. Yeah, it, it is. It is quite something. And it it is fantastic. I'm not shitting on it. It is fantastic. It does go on very long, but it is perfect. And then it gives us, um, oh my God, Hillary Swank. We get the mall. Oh, just all of these just fantastic things. And it's very, I mean, it goes with the whole early 90s uh, cliche valley girl mall rat vibe that that I want to say it's just it's a stereotype that goes with that person, quote unquote, persona um, of these characters that are written still to this day. The debate discussion that is happening between which movie theater is the best and why, like, they suck and why they choose the one that they go to. My favorite line is there. Um, no, we can't go there. It has bogus corn. It is just so fantastic. 90s, late 80s, just wonderfulness. Um, the gi- like the giggling at the movie theater was just like a very core memory, like unlocked, <laughs> right? Like. Just gossiping in a movie, not really paying attention, eating snacks, like kind of being an asshole. And just like being with, because I think at that age, and especially in the towns that we've, well, the, the t- towns that we have grown up with, there is nothing to do in our towns besides like as you get older, you got the bonfires and you got like the party scene going. But you also have like, okay, well, what do you do before you're at that age? You go to the movies and you chill because that's just kind of like typically the center of town. That's what everything is going on. It's something to do. Nobody's paying attention. I just really, really, really love Luke Perry. Um, Dylan McKay. Respect on the name, R.A.P. Archie's dad. I don't remember his actual name. Um, so he's Luke Perry. He's That's Luke the Perry. Only you need to know. Yeah, he he's so good in this movie. I just really love his character, and you know David Arquette. We 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 have to love him. Like he he, he he Benny. Like he plays Benny, and it's just so over the top and just wonderful and like silly, <laughs> just silly and great. Him randomly floating, and even Luke Pike. Luke Perry plays Pike, but we'll interchange that name a lot during this episode. Just saying, no, go home, man. It was like, go home, bro, you're drunk. Even though he knew he was a vampire, he was the only person who realized and was self, like, was just aware that vampires existed outside of Buffy and Merrick. I love the high school here because it is just, looks like the gym looks like a greenhouse right that is just my feeling all the like outside shots it looks like a greenhouse but i really do like the high school and i like the hallway like locker scenes that we get you know it's it's just really fun and i do like that we have steven root as like a teacher who's trying to like relate to his students but i love the whole scene 
the whole situation of them picking a theme for the dance and going <laughs> through like dance themes and being like the environment. Yeah. What's an immediate threat to the vi- environment right now? Forest fires, which timing of watching this movie, a little too close, but accurate. Yeah. Um, literally, like, remember in the 90s at the time, because it was still like climate change was still like a new concept. Um it was like the biggest thing is litter and plastic in the ocean because you have to cut the rings so fish don't get stuck. And then, you know, the one girl, I can't remember her name, she goes, how about we talk about the ozone layer? And everybody just goes, like, mm, no, I really don't like bugs, though. Let's make a point about the bugs. It was just hilarious that that conversation was happening in 91. And like, it's, you know, here we are. Here, here we are. Here we are. Uh, I do... Again, love this yellow leather jacket. I loved it. And it reminded me of a hot pink one that I saw recently. And I was just like, mm, she's like, water. it's retro. And I was like, bitch, I would wear that right now. Right now. Give it to me. Well, the, no, but the bigger thing was she was shitting on it, saying the Hillary Swank's character was shitting on it to Buffy because she wanted it. I hated that whole group of friends. Like, yeah, none of them. They, the, they were just like, weren't really friends. They were just... I don't know, socially gravitate like uh, like that uh, hierarchy in high school that they were just like, same thing with mean girls. It's better to be in that type of group than by yourself. But eventually Buffy realizes she's like, I'm not a, I'm not into this shit. Y'all are shitty. How are you? How do you not realize what's going on? Deuces. One of my favorite things about this movie is in the background, like in the background are news reports, right? It's it's very classic, like horror movie kind of situation. So like in the background, you have like, um, I have on my notice, like the third victim is playing on the news and with uh, wounds described as, quote, a really gross hickey, unquote. So good. It, it's just in the background. It's just in the background. But that is like classic kind of horror movie, like building it up. Um, it's was a trope. It suppo- I guess it because at one point, I think maybe it was in one of the opening scenes where somebody was being dragged. It Or maybe it was like midway through. I don't know. Um, Buffy. Yeah, because Buffy's leg was being pulled and she's in the grave and somebody was uh, coming back to life as a vampire. It reminded me of, was it supposed to be a horror initially, but because I was looking through it with the with camp in mind, I didn't think of it as horror. I thought of it as camp, but it was supposed to be camp the whole time. I, I think so. I think it was supposed to be camp the whole time. I, I just, it, the vampires have like weird ears. <laughs> they have ears like, that are like, ears? like floppy. Yeah, they, they, they were kind like of gill, get, yes. gill-looking ears because they have like little ridges in them, but they flop down. But they were they were kind of pointed like a fey mm-hmm. ear, but, but bitten into it yeah. with the ridges to be like gills. Yeah. And, and then like they're all of the vampire teeth are showing and nobody knows why Buffy's trying to kick some ass in the middle of a basketball game. Yeah. Oh, gosh. No, they're... they're I have something to say about that. Um, <laughs> uh, I really, really love Donald Sutherland, obviously, uh, as an actor. But I like his introduction here to Buffy in the school, like, uh, gym or whatever that she's in. Because she's like, are you, like, are you a creep? Because we get the, like, first introduction in the mall. But it's just like a... 
the like elevators a, are yeah closing. it's just like a right. quick thing so like here she's like she's like he's like you're the chosen one come with me now to the graveyard she's like no are you like a creep who like preys on little girls or something like ew no and i just really like that uh, that was smart yeah they want to paint her as this vapid blonde valley girl but she's on her her shit she's she's she watches she's aware of her surroundings yeah she's like no and then and then she's like uh do you hear voices like do you see spots and then he's like spots of course and he goes to look for the birthmark she's like ew my big hairy mole i got that removed it's just it was just great i just love all of these little these little interactions um something that i do want to talk about is the use of cramps as a like warning system like strength situation I have that on my notes too. <laughs> yeah, I and maybe we maybe we talk about it at the end uh, when we talk about Joss. But I I just it is an interesting little thing, and it didn't make it into the TV show. But it is an interesting little thing about like turning a stereotypical uh, like weakness into a strength to help you like like it, I don't know there there was like something there was like something there, and I remember as a kid being like. Okay, they're good for something. <laughs> they have some sort of purpose, and it didn't end up being that. But <laughs> psych. But it is it is just really interesting. Something that didn't make it into the show. Um, Luke Perry, as you said, being very very aware of of the situation, being aware that Benny is not right, being aware that Benny is floating, and being aware that he should probably GTFO and get the fuck out of town. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But you know what confused me in the state of Benny being turned is they were sitting on the curb. Yeah. Uh, Pike and Benny are sitting next to each other. Then Pee Wee Herman comes up and grab and turns Benny. Benny falls back. Pike is still there drunk because they've been drinking. He falls forward and it's a timing thing. And that's what it is because I'm watching him fall back and then Merrick comes up and he goes, oh, like he pretends that he didn't see. Didn't see it. Yeah. And and he just focuses on Pike on the ground in front of the car. It's purely a timing thing because otherwise he's acting like Benny was never there. Well, I in, in my head, he's watching it and being like, there's nothing I can do about this, but I will pick up this dude. Which is also interesting because when Merrick defines his role as watcher that's kind of what he says he goes i'm not really here to to involve myself with this i'm literally just supposed to kind of watch you and maybe like and he doesn't even say guide her the way we know giles guides buffy and the tv show because he just makes it because he goes oh you have no idea about your your ancestry your birthright all this stuff why would she Especially if Watchers are only supposed to watch and not be involved. So he just, I don't know, his description of Watcher and then knowing and then flash forward to the Watcher we know today was very, it was just, it made me question be like, okay, so was a Watcher just supposed to be what what is said in the role? It was just supposed to watch, not supposed to guide. And she took it upon herself to do, like, obviously we go into the training montage tropes and all that. And chosen one doesn't want to be chosen tropes. But uh, it, it was just something that I, I, I definitely was just kind of curious on because I don't know the history of the Watcher aside yeah. from what we know. Yeah, I don't either. That's a very; these are all very good points. <laughs> uh, 
Something that I really love is the drama of Lothos. <laughs> Lothos is very dramatic. Lothos is just like floating with his cape and he's just like up and like doing stuff. He has gloves and like reaches out very dramatically. I really like Lothos, the drama of him, the music that plays whenever he's on screen. It comes up, it's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Circling back to... Um, a continuity error, which I will bring up to you for a timing error, um, because I also have one that bothers me. But we have Donald Sutherland as Merrick, and we have so many M names recently. Malik, Malek, Merrick. I mean, ooh, <laughs> buddy, we really. Um, but when he follows Buffy into the locker room, she's like, what are you doing in here? This is a naked place. And then she goes, you know, I don't want to be this. I don't want to be chosen. Um, what do I want to do? I want to graduate high school. I want to go to Europe, marry Christian Slater, and die. Fair. Fair. For a 17, 18-year-old girl, that is a thousand percent fair. Um, fantastic choice with Christian Slater as well. 90s Christian Slater. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, excellent choice. I just, I just love that speech, too. She's like, and die. That's it. Like, I... Why, why do we need to make things harder than it is? <laughs> yeah, for real. And then um, the training montage, as you said. So the the continuity, the continuity error is when she is having the conversation in the locker room with Merrick. She's in like a blue leotard with like a green kind of like thing over it. And then it cuts to a training montage, a very long training montage, I think, personally. But then it cuts back to them talking in a different place. And she's in the same freaking outfit. Uh, she's in the same locker room outfit. And it's just like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? This is a weird cut. Ugh. You don't think it was like a... Oh, because here I am thinking... Because you know how sometimes in a training montage, you have the training montage going while the conversation that led up to the, the voiceover conversation. I didn't even pick up on that. Because yeah. I'm thinking... Because I... I was looking at her outfit changes from punching the bag to using the stick. And mm -hmm. there was, the, I was looking at those wardrobe changes. But even like leading up until that point, I love that she was doing the whole chosen one doesn't want to be chosen. She has her speech and she was getting pissed at, I keep wanting to say Giles. She was getting pissed at Merrick and she realizes how badass she is when she was like, leave me the fuck alone punches him he goes flying back on the bench and then she goes oh i didn't even break a nail and that's when she was like let's do this shit and she she just rocked it and she rocked it with a louis keepall 60 as her just casual gym bag she just i'm just gonna put all my sweaty clothes all my steaks all this shit into a bag and like i gotta go to practice and just lugs it over her and the, and the Louis Keepall. And I actually looked at it. I showed you, like, what the current price is. And I think it's at, like, 2500 But you can find some good vintage ones for seven eighty. dollars Because it's, like, casually having that around. Cas yeah, but, casual. But I really appreciated. I just liked the fashion statement. Well, I think we have to say that, like, Buffy is suburban rich. Don't you think? Like, yeah. this version of Buffy is, like, suburban rich. Her parents are never there. Her parents are never there. And I almost, I couldn't tell if that girl, 
the lady who calls her Bobby, was she a housekeeper or was she just like the stepmom or was she actually the Joyce? Either way, her parents were not as involved the way Joyce Summers yeah. is in like the future in the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, whoa. One of my favorite lines here is when um, Pee Wee Herman says, kill him a lot. And that kill really. Him, kill him a lot. Kill him a lot. That really solidifies the camp. You know, it is just, it's just so fantastic. And then he loses his arm when he's going after Luke Perry in the van. Um, I just really fantastic love all of that. Um, and I like the bonding that, um, Pike and Buffy have over stuff and when, um, they're at her house. But something I want to go back to what you said, Jess, is you really like the fashion here. Uh, one of Buffy's quotes about how she is different than other slayers and stuff is her f- keen fashion sense. And of course, that's repeated and like built up and, you know, it has a, it has a point. But I just want to point that out. Uh, I do like that Buffy uses like the guitar that's broken as a stake, but I like the moment that Buffy and Pike have at her house because she like brings Pike home weirdly. I don't know why she would do that, but she does. Uh, she brings Pike home and she's like, did you ever wake up and everything is like different and everything that was so critical seems so stupid? And she's talking about her life and how like with this bigger threat that everything she used to care about is just like really stupid. And she's like, you know, and then you end up babbling with a man in the middle of your living room in the middle of the night. And Luke Perry is like, are you calling me a man? I was just like, yes, sir. Dylan McKay. Yeah, we all are. Who didn't fall for Dylan McKay? I don't know. The ones that fell for Jason, right? Yeah. <sighs> Dylan. It's always Dylan. It's always it's been Dylan. It's always Dylan. It's always, it's always been Dylan. One of my favorite scenes, I brought it up earlier, the um, hallway high school scenes that I really like a lot are when we have Buffy now who has done her training. She's like in Slayer mode, right? She's like out. She's doing stuff. Uh, she gets like grabbed by one of her boyfriend's friends and she fucking you know flips him slams him and says don't fucking touch me about fucking time because when she goes to make out with the boyfriend in the car and his friend was in the front seat he was like mimicking smacking her ass and he's like let me take her for a ride blah 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 which is all the shit that we hate anyway and then even the friend even the boyfriend was like don't fucking look at my girlfriend like okay good Put it out there right in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Then he actually touches her in front of the boyfriend. She said it like she told him once before she was nice about it. Just like most women, we try to be nice because we're like, it's really just like survival at that point because mm-hmm. you just placate to that to, to people who are aggressive with you like that. And then she finally puts him on his ass and everybody acts so shocked and, oh, my God, let's be scared of Buffy. Why? Why? why she protected herself and then you see the boyfriend's ego bruise like oh way to way to make me feel needed fuck you you weren't doing anything before yeah it, ugh, just ugh, gross just so gross and he's also like up there like twitching right like he's never like nothing has ever happened to him before and he's just like i'm sorry i'm sorry it's just like, yeah, you fucking should be. You fucking should be. You shouldn't have even done anything in the first place. What gave? Yes. Who gave you the right? Nobody. Yes. I want to point out Buffy's outfits getting less and less elaborate as she gets more and more serious. This is kind of a track on her character arc. Um, at this point, I think she's wearing just like a button up and like jean shorts. Yeah, the flannel. 
It was like an oversized yeah. flannel, combat boots, whatever. Yeah, she's she's like still like into it. Um, I am going to move now to this to this um, basketball scene <laughs> with um, with the vampire. Obviously, she's like obviously a vampire. But before we get there, I want to talk about the coach real fast because I just love this coach. He's just like actualize, actualize, <laughs> extend your aura. You're benched. Think about how that makes you feel. <laughs> It's just it's just so funny though. It's just like a really random like little detail that is just really funny. I also think it's a timing thing too because that is mocked then because mental health wasn't at the forefront of conversations in the 90s, so it was easily a mockable campy moment for that for that for the movie in that time. But can you imagine having, you know, and not even imagine there are uh, teachers and coaches out there like that who say like, "Okay, like think about these feelings." How is this making you feel? You have therapy, like, you know, there's therapists who say, like, okay, how did this make you feel? This, you know, and I think it was just the conversation is actually happening now and it's not being mocked. Whereas, what is it, 2022? 22 years ago or whatever, 32 years ago. I can't math. 1991. (laughs) Don't math. Don't math. Don't math. Don't math. Was not talked about. Hysterical. Just, oh, my God. Okay, so we have... Grueler as an as a very clear vampire here on the bench. Very clear. Very clear. You know what he looked like? He kind of reminded me of Paul Weasley. Okay, well that is funny that you bring that up because that is the this actor was also in Dazed and Confused. Okay. He was one of the main group in Dazed and Confused, also starring Ben Affleck. Oh, and Ben is in this one. And Ben is in this one in this scene. Like mm-hmm. in this, it's just really funny. It's just one of those weird, weird, like little movie Hollywood coincidences. But that's like all of the movies that we have talked, not all, but like a lot of the movies you've talked about up until this point, the, the crossover that's happening. These You have early 90s, you have the mid 90s, you have the late 90s, where these were like Ben Affleck. This was an uncredited role. He didn't even and his dubbed. character. And like, oh, dubbed? Dubbed. He did it so badly. That they dubbed his line. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't yeah. read that fact. Yeah. But it, it's another one of those, like, before they were stars, you know? Like, people, you, you just see people putting in the work, doing the hustle. It's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, so this this whole thing where Gruler's on the court as a vampire and everyone's just, like, watching him... Um, Okay, whatever. It's it's funny. It's played for laughs. Uh, the thing that isn't like that now is not played for laughs, but I don't even know if it was then. It's just funny to me now when Buffy sees what's going on and she can't take it anymore and she drops her pom-poms and she goes onto the court. There's a guy on the bleachers that goes, there's a girl on the court. <laughs> I heard that. What and I read that. I was just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, <laughs> and you know, and it also like, it makes you, it makes you wonder when, when you're reading a script and you're, you're wondering what's going on with the screenwriters who are thinking, you know, it would be a good line. This this one right here. <laughs> like what? There's a girl on the court. It's it's just well, I don't know. It's just really funny. Also, something that's really funny is that it's the, this high school like basketball game, right? And like Buffy runs out, and there's just like this biker there, um, like and the derogatory term, yeah, that he slew at her, yeah. 
But something that I love here, though, is that Buffy gets the big motorcycle, right? She's like, yeah, I do want power between my legs. Um, and she gets the big motorcycle. But then she passes Luke Perry, who's on just like the little... <laughs> oh, like the <laughs> little zipping dirt yeah. bike. And I was just like, go get her. Go get her. I love you so much. It's just it's just funny. It's just funny. These just like little things. Um, so then Buffy is at the amusement park and she's fighting Griller. She's like, Griller, it's me, Buffy. Like, da-da-da-da-da. And then we get Lothos and we get all, 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 all of this stuff. All of this stuff. But we also get one of my favorite tropes, which is the land on top of trope. Oh, I didn't know you loved that trope. But I, I know, love- like when, when they're like tumbling. And they, that was, it was nice where, you know, he was having her back. She was having his. And then there was a part where she flew over. Oh, she like put, she came from the vampire's back. Sh- jumped on his shoulders, straddled him. She never killed him, but she still landed on... Th- th- that's There was a continuity thing there. Mm-hmm. She never killed him because she lands forward... She falls forward onto on Luke him. Perry. Yeah. But the vampire is never killed. Cut to after that trope, and he is dead. Yeah. So what I like to think is he saw them having their moment, and it was just like, uh, who am I? <laughs> Who who am I to interrupt? I will take myself out of the equation. Where I feel like true blood vampires who are all about like the sex and the orgy and like the poly of it all, they'd be like, "Can I join?" Because I would I would say that if Luke Perry is involved, bet uh, Luke Perry has one of my favorite lines, and it is right here. He goes. Uh, when Lotho shows up, and we get we get uh, Paul. Paul is here, and uh, Luke Perry goes. Uh, I know that guy. That is a bad guy. <laughs> that is a bad guy. What are we doing here? That's a blood-sucking fiend. It's just so funny. It is so funny. And I'll, I'll bring this up. Like, he is, um, you can kind of see, like, he is the blueprint for Xander. Like, you can kind of see that here. Um, but I separate them completely. So this is just Luke Perry. And just as Luke Perry, he's so, he's so great. He's like, come on, lefty, like giving him all this shit and everything. Um, Jess, you were not expecting Merrick to die. No, I wasn't. And then I even, I even said at the beginning of the episode, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show spoiler, does, does Giles die? And I don't remember because, and he doesn't. So yay. Um, But I wasn't, so I wasn't expecting Merrick to die. It was just, you know, because, and I think maybe because I knew that Giles stays with Buffy and I couldn't remember. I was like, wait, doesn't he stay with Buffy? Does he? There was the back and forth. I wasn't expecting it with Merrick. And it also doesn't move the storyline. And I think I had to also remind myself that this is a movie. This isn't a series. Um, it was like an hour and 20 minutes. So you still, like, you had to move, you had to move the plot and the story and the character along. Right. Because, like, what they do with his body? Where did it go? Like, how did they, you know, there's all these questions, but it's like, okay. Yeah. And also, like, that seems like a waste for a vampire because Lothos is like ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But if Merrick was human and he has blood, wouldn't that be fuel for, like, that's just me being logical to be like, you're just going to kill a guy and leave him there? Like, that, that's that's fuel. That's a resource for you. My thought was maybe he can't because he is in, he's like a reincarnation like he's also not human, so maybe oh. it's like a it's maybe a thing. That was just my my thought. My thought. 
Um, so Merrick dies and he gives Buffy a very cryptic, you know, speech, like when the music stops, like, you know, all of this stuff. We love it. And that's the part where Lothos is also saying, don't take her yet. She's not ready. She's not ready. She's not ready. Yeah. And then we have this um, uh, reoccurring, uh, I'm going to say, like, innocence trope with the ribbon and Buffy in her hair and around her neck. But it reminded me of Sabrina, like the chilling Sabrina, adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're up to my favorite scene, and this is the gym confrontation between Buffy and all of her friends. I love this. I love this so much because it is also, this is a spoiler for Buffy the series, it also mirrors, um, I think, two of my favorite moments in the series where Buffy tries to open up and it is just, like, shut down. And that is what happens here. Buffy's like, Buffy comes to her friends and she hasn't been with her friends in a while. She's been missing practice because Buffy has seen the bigger picture, right? Fucking vampires. She goes to her friends and she's like, have you noticed what's going on? Like, if you notice all the weird stuff and like people disappearing and they're like, no, no. And they are making like a hug the world, like, like dance band. banner. It's very funny. Um, she's like, well, I met this guy and they're all like, oh my God, you met a guy. She's like, gross. He's like old and like 50. And they're like, ew, ew, ew. You know, it's just like, okay, okay, okay. Moving on. So that little dig, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Um, it's just really funny because Buffy is trying so hard and she and then she's trying to relate to these people that were her really good friends. And she finally, like, gets to the point where it's just not, like, clicking. And she's like, what fucking language are you speaking? What is going on? Like, when are you going to wake up? This None of this is important. This is just a stupid dance. It is just, like, dumb. Oh, and that's when they get into the, it's not our, this is our last yeah. You know, Earth Day dance, and then it's our last blah, blah, like everything. Like because, prom or like semi-form. Yeah, all of those. Right. And because, and we've probably had this conversation before, but for some people at that point in their lives, this is all that they have going for them also. Like this is as, you know, and especially for those people who have peaked in high school, that's as good as it's going to get for them. Yes. So they're Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank, everybody, uh, has a really fantastic line. She says, get out of my facial. I can't. Is that the delivery? Get out of my facial. <laughs> I had to rewind it because I. I can't the get the neck right. Because there's a the, the inflection. Yeah. Oh, and how about when the one. I don't remember all the characters. The one friend. Oh, Hillary Swank is being pulled through the window. The one friend goes <laughs> to get the vampire who is pulling her. And then roles are reversed, and Hillary Swank, Swank was like, I'm looking out for number one. Yep, yep. And then I love where she just, like, gets concussed against the wall. Oh, by the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I, sometimes I'm thinking, you know, just kill him. Like, I would have just... Buffy is a vet, better person than I am, because I would have been like, okay, vampires, I get it, but... You know who you should go after first? One, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. The friend, the quote-unquote friend who started dating her boyfriend and then fucking him in the car, in the, in car, the parking, in parking lot. lot. She And she even looked over and it reminded me of the Euphoria, um, Maddie, um, Maddie Cassie scene. That was quick. That was quick. Like, that's exactly, that That was that. Vibes. Such vibes. <laughs> uh, she certainly plays you, the part. That's- for real. <laughs> Jess, how do you feel about Buffy's dress? How do you feel about her dress? 
I love her dress. Um, I was looking up when we were right before we were recording, I was looking up, st- I can't remember what I was looking up, but I was looking up images. Um, and the scene from Buffy's prom where she's in the pink dress and the leather jacket, I didn't realize it, it absolutely mirrors this scene with her dance dress and this leather jacket that Luke gives her. And I just, I didn't realize the memories unlocked of the continuity. Um, and Laura, you know, my fashion style too, where I can get like the girliest thing, but I always want to just kind of, I'll throw on a leather jacket to like dress it up or dress it down or just give it a different vibe. I loved it so much. But more importantly, I love the femininity of it all because it was just, it, we, we discussed it before we started recording. It, Buffy, this one particularly, and really just Buffy in general, she doesn't lose her femininity in, when it comes to kicking ass. So it's so much like Aelin. And then it reminded me of the discussion that the filmmakers had in our, that we talked about in our 10 Things I Hate About You episode, where one of the filmmakers said, you can be a feminist in different packages. You don't need combat boots and a and a protest line. You can have the dress and you can have the dress on and like getting your nails done. And that's just what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside in your brain and in your heart. Those are what that defines feminism. And I just, you see that throughout the prom dress and throughout this whole thing, because even in the training montage, when she realizes she can kick ass, she goes, oh, and I didn't break a nail. Or when she talks about her keen fashion sense and she uses that to like the alcohol and her perfume in, 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 you know, she's using, she's so resourceful. And I just, I like that it doesn't have to be one or the other. Like you can, you can be both super feminine and super badass. And especially in that, at that time, it, that discussion wasn't really happening. And we're only seeing that discussion happening more and more now. It is a perfect segue to Pike right before Buffy goes to the dance. Um, Pike sees Buffy when she's shopping for her dress and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, you're the guy. Specifically, this is what he says. You're the guy. You're the chosen guy. And she's like, no, I'm not. Like, you know, da, you know, because she doesn't want to at this point. Like, her friend's hurt. She just wants to go to the dance. Okay, whatever. Um, and then Luke Perry goes, I'm not disappointed, just angry. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Luke Perry. Like, I understand. Um, Buffy's dress, I really love for all the reasons that you said. All of them, because it is perfect for that, right? Like, it's white. It has flowers. It's, like, kind of floofy. Um, but it's also, like, a halter. It's practical. She's not pulling it up. You know, it's not a strapless. Uh, she can move in it, right? And uh, she, it gets torn, and she's in tights, and she can still, like, fight and badass. But something that I really do like here is that Buffy is, and Jess, you brought it up before we were recording, Buffy goes to this dance and she goes to her like mean girlfriends and she's like, where is my boyfriend? Like the limo didn't pick me up. I thought he would be here. Like very vulnerable. She's very vulnerable right here. And her friends are like, ah, ha, 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 ha. like you don't see, you don't see. And then she sees her boyfriend with her friend there, Jen. And um, he's like, yeah, I left you. Like I told you all of this. Like I, I left you like a message. She's like, you broke up with my machine. You left me a message. It's just, it's so good. Like, it's so good. And it's so with the times. I feel like the the equivalent is, like, if people break up with text messages now, there's a Sex in the City episode from, like, the 90s or early 2000s. I don't know which season it was, where he breaks up with her on a post-it. Like, I mean, that that should have been your red flag, you know? But, and I get, you know, 
sorry for people who have broken up with text messages, but like if you're in a relationship, especially in high school, especially at this time, there's like pivotal moments and they were technically in a serious relationship because I don't think that they had slept together yet, but they were alluding to it because our parents were going out of town. Finally, um, you know, there, there is some, you know, the conversation there is a little bit different, especially in the early 90s. Let's have the conversation about Luke Perry walking into this dance with his hair slicked back in a white shirt with a leather jacket. Chills. 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 Dylan McKay. Stop right there, sir. Uh, oh my God. And you know, part of me, part of me was like, what is it about Luke Perry? Is it just Dylan McKay? Like, no, obviously I'm attracted <laughs> to Luke Perry because he is not Dylan McKay here. But it is the it's the it's the whole it's the whole thing, right? But it's also how supportive he is of Buffy because he comes fucking prepared to throw down. He is ready. And I really like that it's a it's like a guy that is like here to support, right? Here with the weapons, here to help. He's here to help. He even says, I came prepared. And he's never taking anything away from her. He never feels like he has to be this macho bro and take care of her. I mean, there's a line that he says something and goes, what do you need from me? And she goes, don't piss me off. And then she goes and she goes to chase after the vampires because she knew that she had to try to, like, get them away from the gym as opposed while he stayed inside kicking ass and he was even like oh that this is kind of cool you know i think that was his the gym moment even though he had been fighting them on one off here and there that like him making a difference at the gym i think he was just like oh this is this is pretty cool uh backing up just a little bit they do have like um i'm saying they um pike and buffy do have like a little moment and they're dancing and um he says you know buffy like you're not like other girls and she's like yes i am yes i am like other girls and i i can understand why that would upset some people but i really find that endearing because just as you were saying earlier just because buffy is um the chosen one and she has to do all of these things and she's like charged with kind of saving the world that doesn't negate any of her like like girl ordinary girl things like wanting to go to the dance that's still like important yeah i liked that line and maybe it was also just coming fresh off of um the war of two queens when castile's like you're this you're this you're this you're this and he goes what do i call you and poppy's like i I'm just Poppy. I'm just me. And that's what this felt like also is that, you know, like you were saying, he goes, you're not like other girls. I'm like, but I am. I'm, I'm, I'm me and I'm still a badass. Like, I just don't think that I think people sometimes think you have to be one or the other and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, Luke Perry's really great line here that says like, um, you know, we got a problem. I got a bag full of solutions. What are we going to do about it? Like, yes, like let's get down. I have a bag of solutions. That's us. It's so good. Um, something that I really like is throughout the whole movie, we get Buffy, we get the visual of Buffy repeating the same like gymnastics sequence of um, backhand springs and like um, walkouts and stuff. And she gets the payoff here because she does that out of the gym, you know, and like leads them all away. Really like it. So then Buffy is, she's, this is like the last like little bit of the movie, right? She's going in for her like battle or whatever with Lothos. And then we get Pee Wee Herman, we get Paul, we get him. And he's like, I am immortal. I can do anything. And she's like, oh yeah, clap. 
because he doesn't have an arm. Oh. And then she stabs him, and then he has his fantastic... <laughs> That's my favorite. The fantastic death scene that he improvised. That he improvised he this death scene. Um, Just the absolute... Uh, 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 and then he's quiet, and then it goes back. <laughs> It's just so amazing. More credit, more credit, more credit. My note says, oh my God, Paul's death. I like it's still going into the credits. Like yeah. there's bloopers and credit, like not really bloopers, but like the, you know, just like one-off things while the credits are rolling. And you won't know that if you just walk away from the credits and it's, st- and he's doing it still. <laughs> so it's good. just too, it's just too funny. Um, so here we are now with Buffy and Lothos and Lothos has the ribbon. He's like wrapping the ribbon and he's saying like, we're all of these things, but then, um, the power goes out and the music stops and that is his hypnotism. So that's when Buffy's like out of it. I assumed that that was just like the vampires that we know she was compelled. Oh yeah. yeah. Do we know in the new Buffy? I didn't think slayers could be compelled. I do not remember my Buffy lore. I could not tell you. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. But um, but my note here says we're joined, please, which is just so funny coming straight from the War of Two Queens when he's like, don't you understand? (laughs) We have a destiny. You and I together, we're joined. And she's just like, ew. it's just so I got a good chuckle out of that. Um, just, just from coming from a war of two queens. Um, uh, Jess, you mentioned earlier that Hillary Swank is freaking out in the gym and Steven Root just knocks her over. Um, when Lothos, when Buffy finally kills Lothos, I got another really good chuckle because Lothos' death is, is very much just him putting his arm over his face. <laughs> That's all it is. He's in his cape. He's like, oh, he's like, oops. And then he falls down and he puts the cape over his head and then he's dead. And it's just, it's such glorious camp. It's just so incredibly perfect. Um, And like at that, that is really the end of the movie. We have uh Luke Perry and Buffy having a really nice dance where he goes, I suppose you want to lead. And she goes, no. He goes, well, I don't either. And then he's like, this is really nice. And they just kind of like sway together. And then the scene that is branded in my fucking memory, Jess, I told this to you earlier, is Buffy opening the doors, walking down the steps, jumping on the back of the motorcycle, and then the shot of like their faces, and then the shot of them riding off into the sunset. I don't blame her for not wanting to leave because lead because it is exhausting when especially like if you are in that lead role for anything in your life and sometimes you're just like I just want to relinquish control and I can be very type A in my day-to-day life so you would think that that would like in like infiltrate into other aspects but I think of you know when we travel especially for our international trips we don't make a plan. We actively, because we are both so type A with certain things in our lives, we have key things we want to do. And then we go, let's roam like a local because why put that stress on yourself? You're like, I want to do A, B, and C, and then everything else, we just let it be. Because how else? Like, it it could be, it's exhausting. Why do you, why? I don't blame her. I don't blame her. And he's just like, that that little beta to his alpha. (laughs) He just wants to vibe with this girl and he likes. 
For real, for real. And I don't know, the it is just it is just really I have a question now and I'm just thinking about this because again, I just saw rewatched the pilot the other day. Luke Perry's character, some of his mannerisms I feel like could have influenced Angel's the introduction of Angel because remember he goes I'm just a, like his cool, suave, like, I'm just a friend. He gives her a thing, like his introduction to her. At, like, I know his introduction is, you know, partly is because it's at night, he's a vampire, blah, blah, blah. But I just feel like some of the nuances that we see in Pike are you see in that intro with Angel in the pilot episode, or maybe it's like the, the Harvest, the first episode. Yeah, the, of the, harvest. Yeah, that, the Harvest. Jess, did you like this movie? I did. I actually would rewatch it. You know how yeah. sometimes you can watch a movie and then you're like, okay, I watched it. On to the next. This is a fun. You get a get you get a good chuckle. You could get background noise. I love Paul Rubin's Vampire because it's very much like um, what we do in the shadows. So it's and I mean we'll put it in our show notes. You showed me a great clip a, a couple months ago when we were talking about other vampire stuff, and then. I didn't understand the the Paul reference of the vampire and that he's in the exact same makeup and they rebrought him back in this clip. And it's even like each time you watch it, it's just it's just so great. But having that additional vampire background was so like like you you had said, you're like, this is a deep cut for like those who love vampire in, you know, in the media. So I would expect um, nothing less from Taika. I just, Taika, let me tell you. Taika. I mean, that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. We have it bad for (laughs) Taika. Just, just say that. Um, Yes. Okay. So ending, ending movie discussion, discussion. Obviously I love this movie. Um, I know people hate it. Whatever it is. Nostalgia. It is perfect in my eyes. I know like whatever. Okay. But if you do hate it, let us know why. Yes. Let us know why. But like happy to have the discussion, but it's just, is there a specific reason aside from what we'll go into? We'll, we'll segue into the conversation of the Joss Whedon of the, it all. The Joss of it all. Okay. Okay. Here's the Joss of it all. Okay. He's a shit person. There is there is no if, ands, or buts here. Right? Like, fuck him. All right. That's where we're at. Fuck him and the way that he treats women, all of it. Just fuck him. He's a shitty person. Okay. I love Buffy. So what do you do? Do you separate it? I don't know. What do you do? You do kind of the same thing that we're doing with JK and Harry Potter, right? That's you kind of have to. You kind of have to. That's what you do. Here's the thing that I have such a hard fucking time wrapping my head around. Buffy is so, so great. So great. And, and if we're talking about the movie, I'll just pull like movie examples because we're not in the show. Um, Joss wrote a majority of this movie and he did not like the direction that it was going. He did not like working with Donald Sutherland and he like fucking threw a temper tantrum and left. Right. Like, yeah, he walked off set. He walked off set. The screenwriters, I think, even made him rewrite the script to be this lighter, campier thing. It wasn't as dark as he wanted. And he just said one and he never showed up. He walked out and he never came back to production. So what I'm what I'm saying is in Buffy the movie specifically, um, Buffy is never sexualized, really. Like the boy, the boyfriend and the friend. But if you take that out um, on screen, she is almost always um, covered. Like 
if if she's in a sports bra, then she's in ankle length tights. You and know, high, like a high waisted short. Like you you had brought out, like the high waisted shorts had leggings under them. Yeah. And then it was her sports bra or with the cheerleading. You know, we were talking about the cheerleading uh, uniforms earlier. There were longish skirts with with the with the purple leg full leggings under then a cropped crew neck with, you know, with the side shoulder or whatever with the sports bra. And I mean, fully covered, even fully the, covered. You had mentioned the, the, the leggings under the prom dress, even after the skirt was ripped away, there was still like, and in my head, I'm like, that's practical. It's, you know, it reminds me of the conversation kind of we had with gaming where, um, your dad was like t- saying to have shorts under your dress. And I remember always putting shorts under my dress, especially in Catholic school, because the uniform, um, when I, cause I loved going on the swings, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like that's definitely integrated into our con outfits where we're like, I'm putting shorts cause I'm going to be sitting on the floor. But like, there's a practicality of it. Yeah. So like we, but you don't, but that practicality for us is never really like translated on the screen, right? No. Because it's all like male gaze, all that. Sh- you know, okay, but but we don't really have that here. And in that's true. It, like it's, there's it, no male gaze in this. It's 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 not that you could say in the beginning with the boyfriend when she leans over the friend and he's with the butt. Okay, and then but but clothing wise, do you know? You, you see what I'm saying? Like she she is really covered. The training sequences are not gratuitous ass and tit shots, right? Like there isn't sweat trickling down her. You know what I mean? This is not that. And I like that because it very easily could have been that. Especially knowing what we know about Joss now. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he wasn't the director and Joss has said like the director had every right to do what she did because that it, it wasn't Joss's movie. Like he's. He's not saying that the director had no right. He's just saying that it was hard for someone to watch someone like butcher his work, which like if you take away everything and just look at that statement, I can understand that it is hard to watch someone like butcher and edit your work if you were like very passionate and like firm on it. But also like don't be a fucking dick about it and like shut the fuck up. Right. Like enough. But part of it is also like. That that's what happens with contracts in Hollywood, right? I mean, you talk we talk about it with books all the time, where that's always a fear of any type of book or fandom community having it translated onto the small screen or the big screen of how is it going to be translated, how is it going to be butchered? When you sign your rights away, I mean, think Sarah did it with Throne of Glass. They bought the rights and then obviously the time lapsed and she got to take it back because she wasn't happy with the direction that it was going in. So like, thank God, because if she wasn't happy with that direction, could you imagine what the fandom would have thought? No. You know, and we're already going to be encroaching that space with Akatar. And and so I feel like, and maybe that's happened with, you know, I don't know, but maybe that's happened with Cassie Clare a few times or how many times have they've tried to bring Shadowhunters to the silver screen and to the, and to the smaller screen. And it it starts off so great, and then there's that like, oh, this isn't this isn't the direction I thought it was going in, and I already signed the rights away, you know? Yeah, it is. It has to be Oof. like this, you know. Like you said, take everything away. You're like that. It's hard to see that the red pen yeah. all over it. It's hard to see the editing pen. It is, but also like, shut the fuck up, Joss. Uh, it it is hard because I love Buffy, as you said, her her she's tough, but she's also feminine. Like that's a trope. But it 
it came to me in this format at a young formative age. So part of me will defend like Buffy the character uh, forever because I don't associate Joss with her. Like she's mine, you know, like this man had nothing to do with her. Like she's mine. And the way that I see and interpret her is mine. Uh, and I like that, like for me, but like Joss, obviously. But but the talent, like Sarah Michelle Geller, has come out and made that statement also that she had to like, especially with her close contact with working with Joss, she had to take ownership and to like I have to like hold on to this character that I had also cultivated and made my own, and I hold on to that. And I mean, there was um, and we'll put this also in the show notes. Uh, Caroline Frank um of or Frankie, I don't know. Framke, I don't know how I'm pronouncing her last name right. She wrote a piece on Variety, more of like an op-ed. And she even says, some people in the fandom, you know, you have to take ownership in how you're processing this. Because when you have a franchise like this, it no longer belongs to one person and one awful person. It, It belongs to the fandom and how you create, like, there's so much nostalgia there. So how do you separate? And for some people, you can't. Yeah, for a lot of people, you can't. And that's, like, totally fair and, like, totally valid. You know, like, that's fine. Uh, I don't like that so much of the things that are, like, foundational for me are because of this really, like, shitty man. So it is, it is difficult, but acknowledging it is also very important. You can't, you can't talk. I mean, we live in a time especially now that we can't talk about Buffy without acknowledging the problematic person who created it more or less created the Buffy that we know now. Yeah. The Buffy that we know. Uh, Yeah. It is just really, really incredibly wild. Um, But it is very easy to see what he pulled into the, um, into the TV show. And I actually took a screenshot of something that I was reading earlier and um donald sutherland and joss whedon very famously very openly clashed on set right we know this donald liked to um uh change his lines and because he's and joss has said because he's such a good actor you can't tell that the lines are really bad because he wasn't actually a writer (laughs) um so Donald didn't like the original script that Joss had written, so he suggested other things. And and um, the way that Donald dies in, in the version of the movie that we see is the version that Donald wanted. Joss has come out, and in the origin comic book that he has taken over, uh, this is now canon in the Buffy universe. Lothos attacked Merrick and Buffy. To prevent Lothos from siring him and reading his mind to find out where Buffy lived, Merrick pulled out a and shot himself in the head. This traumatized Buffy, though, to the point where she didn't want to continue as Slayer. But after Lothos attacked her school, she burned down all his vampires in the gym. So that is canon in the the Buffy universe, which is why... It is in the first season when Buffy is meeting with the principal and um, he's talking about, you know, uh, Buffy, you burned down the gym. She's like, but you don't understand that gym was full of vampire asbestos. Yeah, that is her exact line. Uh, And so it is now can't you know, it is canon. It just didn't happen here. So the line um, I think that is repeated is um, 
Buffy is walking out of the gym because she set it on fire. And they're like riding off into it. But what we don't see is the gym on fire behind us. Just an interesting little like tidbit. No, I like I like the the homage to because it's in the like pilot episode and they bring it up a couple times in the first season, you know, because it's a first season, it's a pilot season. You got to kind of uh, be redundant with some of the, you know, the storyline to get people hooked and bring them in. And um, I, I really I liked the homage. I think I told you that because, you know, there's more than one Laura, there's more than one Jessica, there's more than all the, you know, I had to differentiate that 1991 Buffy is uh, Buffy the Slayer is just a prequel precursor to the 1997 Buffy. So apparently 1991 Buffy dies. And now here we have new, new, a new Slayer who also happens to be named Buffy in SoCal. And who is younger. Yeah, and younger. You're right. Yeah. Who is much younger. So the Buffy that we get in the TV series is a sophomore and this Buffy is a senior. Uh, so what else do we say about Joss? Shitty person. Um, we will have to probably discuss him a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Because we have an idea. We're kind of in talks to doing a Buffy rewatch. Well, I mean, we started it now. And we may or may not have some special guests joining us in our rewatch. And just kind of dissecting the episodes, dissecting the seasons a little bit more. Um, this is, I mean, like we had said, you can't discuss Buffy without discussing Joss, but we completely have to acknowledge the fact that we are aware of the type of person that he is. And as always, we also encourage you to do your own research to, you know, formulate your own opinions. But the opinions that are out there, they're 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 very firsthand. So you can't you cannot deny these people, you know, a lot of the talents, experiences that came with working with this person. It's just it's very um, it's unsettling for so many people who have um, loved his work and his work has been a part of so integrated through nostalgia, through, um, you know, relating through his work. I mean, even even like something like the Marvel with with the Avengers and Age of Ultron, like he is very heavily involved in so many Firefly, like so many fandoms that there's a hurt there, right? And a rightful hurt. And I think like another one of the quotes from one of the Variety articles, um, I'll just pull it exactly. She goes, it is, however, extremely depressing to know that a show that once felt so special exactly because it seemed to push back against Hollywood's usual toxicity was, in fact, born directly of it. For as much as Whedon insisted otherwise, he didn't actually want to give women more power when he could strip them for parts instead. That's a, that's like the perfect way to sum it up, too. He's like this gross, fake feminist that gave us everything that we wanted and then turned out to be like the gross, nasty, like nice guy. And use it against us and use it. Ugh. Like, oh, no. He's that. He's that. Nice guys finish last. Yeah. Um, or the ones who insist, I'm really a nice guy. The f- if you have to tell somebody that you're a night you know what do we always what do you what are you so good at saying especially when it comes to like the family um found family tropes show not tell if you have to tell somebody i'm really a nice guy i'm really now my my radar is up i believe the exact opposite because if you were i you wouldn't have to defend yourself with words yes a thousand percent yes there's just no better way to say it so on that note (laughs) fuck joss whedon (laughs) yes 
And we can't wait to hear your opinions. Feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. We look forward to continuing this conversation with future episodes and future guests. And um, thanks for listening. Feel free to rate us five stars on whatever your platform allows reviews. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.